1: How many bands do you think have covered Ghost Riders in the Sky? Well, now, add one more to the list in terms of Sean Bernard. But, you know, the the Ventures were always so good at their covers. Like, if you listen with headphones on right now, you can hear that eerie, ghostly wailing in the background. They they just, the Ventures cared. Now, later on in their career, they got weird and like, we want to be relevant. We want to be a proper rock and roll band. Get rid of that, man. Keep cranking out these amazing Hawaii 5 Walk Don't Run, Pipeline-type songs, and their cover right there of Ghost Riders in the Sky. Again, as I've been discussing lately as I'm digging deeper into more of this instrumental music that I'm really falling in love with, have known about for a long time, but I'm finding a new appreciation for, it's excellent for both active and passive listening. And this is important because there are times where you're busy doing something like folding laundry or whatever, chasing cats or scrubbing cat puke off the floor. Or at least that's what I've heard some people have to do.
2: <clears throat> we are married males. Yeah. It's always passive listening.
1: Well, no. <laughs> I'm talking about music. Oh, But then there are okay. times where you want to lay there with your eyes closed and your headphones yes. on and dig deep into it. And there are so many artists that are great at creating music that works ideally well in both those situations. The Ventures are one of them. Welcome. Episode 145 of the Brian Oak Show podcast. I am Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. And here we are in the Smart Start MN studio. And we're located at 48th in Chicago. And it's some matter of pride for both of us because Minneapolis is our home. I love living here. I've lived in Minneapolis for a good long time now, 35 years. And I think people should take pride in the place that they live. And they should also take a front when things are not the way they're supposed to be where you live. Again, we're not going to go on like we did no. last time. But here we are in the teeth of the opening arguments and and witnesses in the George Floyd trial. You know, he was murdered by an officer of the law in broad daylight literally 10 blocks from where you and I are recording mm-hmm. this right now. And that's horrible to think about. Now, was George Floyd the first man, person of color, to lose his life at the hands of the authorities? God, no. The numbers are innumerable. I don't think that we could count them if we if we tried. But the fact that this has become the flashpoint for not just racial injustice here in the Twin Cities, On a national scale, on a global scale, the whole world is watching. And if we don't get this right, if the jury doesn't get this right, if America doesn't get this one right, then it's not just Minneapolis that's going to burn. Lots of cities are going to burn. And the problems are going to continue. I know it sucks. I don't think every cop is a bastard. I know it's very popular to say a cab. all cops are bastards. I don't believe that. But there's something wrong with the system. And there's something wrong where this continues to happen. There's got to be change at a systemic level, because guess what? Black lives do actually matter. They do matter. And so when someone says all lives matter or blue lives matter, I have to respond with a very hearty, fuck you. Because certainly cops put themselves in harm's way on a daily. But we're talking about something on a fundamentally different level at this point. And... It does, if anybody's watched 15 minutes of the testimony in this trial you, you can't you can't walk away and not feel something i've been in tears my have guts too. have yeah. churned it, it, it we have to we and again i'd say we because i'm hoping as a collective species we can get our shit together but i mean the jury the jury has to get this right otherwise i'm afraid of the consequences
2: yeah this is just about human dignity and decency and and that's what that's what challenges me the most with this whole thing is that we've got to come to a place eventually where this is not a debate this is not it's not even an option to let them off it's like we as a collective need to figure this shit out and it it is systemic and it's got to change and if this doesn't change it I just don't know what else will.
1: Well, I don't think it'll be a, a night and day, and pardon my use of the terms, but black and white change. Every change is incremental. Yes. But this needs to be a big jump. This mm-hmm. can't be a baby step. This needs to be a big jump. So yeah. we continue thinking and hoping for the best, knowing that we've got a long road ahead of us on this particular trial. And it's very, it's awful. The more information comes out, it turns out the situation was worse than we even thought it was. And it's, it's very, very trying. So our job here is not to get to the bottom of the most deep-seated racial and political issues that face you humankind, and specifically the Twin Cities today, our job is to play music, and our job is to talk to some of the people that populate this fine area that we call home and that we love, and today we have someone who has been a stalwart of Minnesota music for... Well, I don't want to age him. I'll just say for a few years now. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a wonderful, wonderful individual and has been in, involved in a wide variety of music. And I want to talk about all of it, but I don't think we have four days. So we'll hit as much of it as we possibly can. Just ahead, John Eller will be our guest here on The Brian Oak Show. Now, his music career started long before this event that I'm about to talk about came into pa- came to pass and continues to this day. But he continues to, to me, one of my favorite things he does. We have a mutual friend in Mary Lucia. Mm-hmm. Mary Lucia and I did a morning show together back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and we've been colleagues and worked on and off at numerous radio stations together, and we share a love for a particular artist, David Bowie, and we also share a love for uh, domestic animals. Now, she's both a cat and a dog person, yes. uh, but this particular thing that she does on the yearly called Rock for Pussy uh, is a benefit, a David Bowie tribute show featuring an incredible lineup, an array of beautiful- musicians from all over the map to raise money for no-kill cat shelters. And I, don't even, I can't even hazard a guess how long it's been going on. 15 years? 17. 17 years yeah. now. All right. Well, John is the—he's sort of the Doc Severinson of the proceedings. He is technically <laughs> the musical director, but you're there. You're the heart of it. You have to coordinate all of it. You don't—you don't just get up get up there and rock. You have to practice. You have to rehearse. You have to get these people in order. Correct?
3: Right. I, I crack the whip. I really, <laughs> really.
1: <laughs> I've heard that about you. You're very difficult to be around. Yeah. Something of a taskmaster and, and a diva. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, I've never heard any of those things. And you've been involved in so much more than this, but. When I hear the name John Eller in this day and age, this is what I think of. So before we go any further with John Eller, we're going to go back to one of my favorite eras of David Bowie. Right as the 60s were turning into the 70s, David Bowie had not quite found out what he wanted to be yet. And he was experimenting with a wide range of styles. Hunky Dory is probably my very favorite. But the record that preceded it, The Man Who Sold the World, there's folky stuff on there. But Mm. this is probably as hard as he ever rocked. I don't mean it like that, but as it, it, close as he ever got to any sort of classic British hard rock, I think. That would be this particular record, and this is one of my all-time favorites. It's David Bowie with Black Country Rock on the Brian Oak Show podcast. I pack us up and rest up here
0: yeah, on Black Country Rock. You never know you might find it here yeah. on uh, black country rock. Back up your up and rest up here on black country rock. You never know you might find it here, yeah. uh, black country rock. Some say the view is crazy, but you may adopt another. Pack and rest up here yeah, on black country rock. You never know you might find it here yeah, on black country rock. Like back a back or two and rest up here yeah, on black country. Wrong.
1: Man Who Sold the World that got the remix treatment last year, or at least the re editing. I don't know the technical terms. All right, fine, we're gonna start now. John, what do you call it when you go what did, what did Tony Visconti do to the man who sold the world last year? He remixed it. So remixed he went it.
3: to the original tapes and sweetened up the Tones and right. balances of each instrument.
1: Well, and there there are some great moments on there. I guess I don't know if I'm a purist or I just have spent so much time with the original. It is cleaner and it does it. it, it the edges are crisper and it's got some more warmth in certain areas. But I got to say, I think I'm still more of a fan of the original.
3: Yeah, I I love them both, but I, I was happily so. If you remember remixes from the from like the '90s, you knew that that meant something bad. They went and <laughs> yeah. they they go yeah. in and do that that scratch yes. hip hop stuff yes. know, it's like oh. <laughs> Never a good idea. It sucked then, and it's...
1: Well, John Eller has a much, much longer musical resume than just being the Doc Severinson of the annual Rock for Pussy. (laughs) Um, Can I
3: say thank you for not calling me the Paul Schaefer of... of
1: Oh, dude, you're way cooler than Paul Schaefer, although...
3: I'd like to hope. Paul Schaefer does have the
1: cred of being in Spinal Tap as Artie Fufkin, the the, the, the record (laughs) A&R guy, which I do love, but no, you're way more Doc Severinson than... Love it. Then Paul Schaefer. Um, Before we get back to talking more with John Eller, I do want to thank Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. Ignition interlock. It's what you have installed in your car. If you lose your license due to a DUI, you are going to need to get back in your car. Oh, and by the way... Even before you're found guilty, you're going to lose your license. It goes away, and you think like, that's okay, I'm not going anywhere anyway. You would be startled how many places you need to be when you suddenly can't be there, and life will get back to normal. You will need to move around. You will need to drive. You or someone close to you, and if you've lost your license due to a DUI, you can get back into your vehicle legally. It's been organized with the state of Minnesota sooner and for less money than you otherwise think, and all the details can be found. Plus, you can get to know our friends Mike and Ed by heading over to SmartStartMN.com. dot com. Yeah, go to SmartStartMN.com
2: dot com slash the Brian Oak Show. They'll give you twenty percent off the installation of the ignition
3: interlock.
1: So for people who haven't been to the Bowie Tribute Rock for Pussy, which now you're telling me seventeen years, huh?
3: Well, a, a bigger time span of years because we, of course, didn't do one last year. All um, right. And I don't know that there's going to be one this year either. I, I don't know where we're all at with it. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I think we the last one we did was RFP as we call it. Yeah. To, yeah. to be friendly to. Ears.
1: i understand well <laughs> on, on this particular show luckily since it's on the internet and um
3: yeah you fuckers are swearing a lot I we certainly we
1: do. are and you know we don't go out of our way to do it but it is nice every once in a while to just let a fucking motherfucker rip right out of your <laughs> mouth you know what i mean it just okay sorry that was probably a little further than i needed to go hmm. but you've been doing it a long time and i know it's evolved over the years and it's become one of those things where early on people were probably like oh yeah i do something like that and now you probably have like a waiting list you probably have people coming your direction saying man how am i getting?" on the Bowie tribute this year
3: well yeah and frankly I, I didn't have much to do with with the with the guest singers that would come in that was usually up to Mary and or Dave Campbell okay because um, they had their finger on the pulse of of new hip stuff and I'm just right. an old guy and I'm like oh, oh. They, they'd name these names I'm like oh you're kidding and I'd have no idea who they were talking about but um so yeah I, but I would get a lot of people to come to me and I'd always defer them to Mary
1: you're, so I mean, like, you're essentially the band leader, right? So you put together this crack band that can play all these songs. You work on the playlist. I'm assuming months in advance. They like people tell you what song they want to do. You get yeah. a lineup set together. But then you got to go to rehearsals, right? Yep. <clears throat> Was there ever some punk ass kid who came in that you? They're like, oh, I'm going to do this song, and you're like, you're not qualified to do this. Song. <laughs> have you? I mean, have you? Had you ever had to utilize, you know, sort of pull rank and be like, look, I've been around this game for a little while. And you, you are not. Call them out to right now. Five years, all
3: right? Not, nothing like that. Not qu- you
1: got to beat it. We're going to get Venus in here. Venus de Mars is singing five years because you are not qualified.
3: <laughs> We've had some moments where, we're, where the, the the players have kind of thought, "Oh dear, this is <laughs> we're going to do this in front of fifteen hundred people." Uh, and there's been a couple couple little kind of train wrecks at the shows, but for the most part, it's it's been pretty good. And and usually, if a rehearsal goes bad. That's not necessarily an indication that it's going to be terrible at the show. And even if it is, I feel like at the show, it's sort of transcendent. It's it's, it's like, I don't know, it just feels like a big Rocky Horror Picture Show viewing or something. Everybody comes up in their makeup and mm-hmm. singing along. And yeah. it, it it People it, are very forgiving and loving and, and just are there for the moment. And it, 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 it is pretty much always... Every year, someone will come up and say, This is the best year ever. Every single year, mm-hmm. it's the best year ever. And I'm thinking, well, it's probably not exactly... <laughs> possible let alone true but it's, it's usually pretty good every year
1: i've been to at least 10 of them and i go because i love mary i go because i love cats i go because i love bowie and it's always fun you're right like you said a forgiving audience but people are there not to critique the performance of the individual performers they're there for an event this is it's always a great event um do you love david bowie i do love david
3: bowie i was very when he died i had a, so we we talked a little bit between the break and we were talking about Black Star and, mm-hmm. and his final album. His final album. And you'd said you'd listen to it through before he passed.
1: Well, cuz it came out 2 days before yes. he died and so I listened to it that day because I'm an Uber fan and I heard a record that I'm like this sounds very much like latter era Bowie, kind of jazzy, kind of ethereal, very atmospheric, a little theatrical and he's telling a great story and he's got this sort of old school Scott Walker crooner's voice, which he's been working on his whole career. But yeah. now he's like, you know, the old man kind of settling into it. And I heard, and I was like, that's pretty good. You know, it's not in his top five records, but it's good. And they died two days later. And I went back and listened to it. And I heard the great actor, the, the great performer, the man who lived his life as art, which was Bowie's whole vibe. I heard him using his final swoon across the stage to say goodbye to everybody and do it as only he could do. It was the perfect end cap to a life that he'd lived. And it it, it makes tears well up in my eyes thinking about it right now. It's a hard record to listen to.
3: Yeah. I'd, he- I'd heard, I think it was Lazarus I'd uh, seen the video. And I was out in California with a friend and we were just running around Beverly Hills and having fun. And I got back to the hotel and got a text from somebody saying, oh, wow, I didn't even know David Bowie was sick. And I'm like, w- what? What? So that was like the next day and mm-hmm. I'd had, I'd, I drove around with the CD in my car in it's shrink wrap for about two months before I could bring myself to take this shrink wrap off and listen to it.
1: It's heavy. I mean, he, he's telling you I'm sick and I know I'm dying. Here are my reflections on a life and here's how I'm facing the final curtain.
3: Yeah, it's brilliant and it's a really tough listen.
1: It is a tough listen. Well, doing the band leadership of this annual event, which, like you said, may not come back this year. And we'll talk about the lack of playing because that's what you are. You are a gigging musician. You are. I was. Well, yes, of course, you were (laughs) up until everything went to hell. Um, But let's go back to part of the beginning of it before we hear a song from one of your projects. Um, the, The earliest anything I can find online, of course, I know about the Eller Lynch days. I know about shiny lights. But. I recently stumbled across something that you were in a hard rock band called Paradox. Paradox, tri-
3: kind of metal, kind of glam. Yeah, I was is, that, the, is
1: that your first like truly professional yep, musical outing? Yep,
3: I was still a teenager. My dad would have to come along to chaperone at the <laughs> bars because nice. I, wasn't, I
1: wasn't old enough yet. Excellent. Yeah, and what are you playing in Paradox?
3: Uh, guitar, guitar and singing. I was the, you're the guy. I'm
1: the guy. Nice. And so paradox, uh, you metal, obviously no one can shame you for that because wildly popular at the time. It was, it was the thing. Did you, were you a cover band or were you an original band? Well,
3: we, we were doing like three and four sets. So we, we, we did. Yeah. It was, it was a long haul. It, it, it trained me to be able to sing, Hmm. uh, longer than.
1: The Average Bear.
3: The Average (laughs) Bear. The (laughs) Average Bear. So it was original and covers. A lot of covers.
1: Yeah, okay. So um, what... What band I mean, obviously you grew up listening to music. You heard lots of different types of music, but the Zeitgeist of the time is metal and you're gonna make and Paradox, by the way, it's got an X in it. It's a great metal band name. And I'm name. so happy
3: we didn't use two X's. You'll yeah. note it's just <laughs> Exactly. There's no umlaut. But so it, that's the thing. Tempting, it's it's, right?
1: it's good by itself. Paradox is a good metal band name. Yeah. Also a little eggheady though for most of the Metalhead fans. There's I mean the the whole nature of a Paradox, you know? It's not Cinderella, okay? It's not Cinderella. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly. With two With T's. With two T's. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, see, we, we,
1: what What was the first metal band, or the first <laughs> first hard rock band? Even we can go back before metal. I mean, you can go back to Sabbath. Who first captured your imagination? You're like, I'm doing fucking metal.
3: Um, well, I remember when Smoke on the Water came out. I was probably nine or ten or something, whatever mm-hmm. it was. And I knew that it was a long song, and I, I seem to remember that the 45 didn't have. It was edited. So little 10-year-old snobby me wanted the album, so I got Machine
1: Head. Yeah, you did. And, y- hello. And then you get Highway Star, too. Highway
3: Star. They got the greatest singer, the greatest guitar player, yep. the greatest keyboard player. They were just everything greatest drummer ian pace yeah remains probably one of my favorite rock drummers
1: that's fabulous well that's an excellent place to start so you start making metal as paradox does paradox live very long does paradox continue do you actually get yeah. paychecks for being paradox we, we
3: were together for about five or six years we, oh, put wow. out, we put out a little ep called real life r-e-e-l very clever right <laughs> like get the it? movies right yes <laughs> right. Like I like tapes like tape recording <sighs> tapes oh. yeah. real life because you're musicians. You got it. Oh man!
1: Yeah. It actually took me a second you to got, get there. <laughs> <laughs> you got it though. You're, you're good. Thanks, John. Sold but it so Shirley. we put this EP
3: out, and it sold whatever, a couple, few hundred copies or whatever it was. And then uh, about fifteen odd years ago, I started getting texts from friends saying, "Hey, the Paradox EP is on eBay right now for thirty five bucks for average condition." And they're like, "What?" So it became kind of a thing in the underground metal world. It was I love kinda, that. Kinda, it's not a very good record. It, it doesn't it's,
1: matter. It's like, it's like in Spinal Tap, since we've already referenced it once, like when Nigel comes back at the end, he's like, uh, Sex Farm, the, the Spinal Tap version of Sex Farm has just gone number one in Japan. <laughs> and they get to go on a Japanese tour. Who right. no, Paradox is, is, I mean, do you know any of the guys still from Paradox? Are they around? Yeah, yeah.
3: They're all they're all buddies. Uh, Tommy uh, Alcides was the drummer, and he was with me with the Rockford Pussy Days. He passed, okay. passed away a few years ago. R.I.P. Sadly, um, but yes, I'm definitely in contact with, with the other guys.
1: Any of those old clothes still fit? Any of the Yeah, those are all gone. Those are gone, they, huh? Those
3: are not fit, and there's a, <laughs> there's a good
2: reason. You had to burn those leather
1: pants.
3: <laughs> it was more Spanx than leather was pants. It okay? yeah. Yeah. Leather's
1: expensive, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, so you go from your early metal days to you now, at this point, even if you're working odd jobs here and there to get along to pay the rent, you've obviously tasted music, and you know music is what you're going to do for yeah, your life. Yeah,
3: and you know what happened is... I heard uh, Please To Meet Me. I knew the replacements and I'd heard their stuff and I got it. It felt other to me. It wasn't something I really, you know, like, oh, kind of fast punk rock. I get it. Right. But when uh, Please To Meet Me came out, which remains my favorite replacement album. I know that's not hip to say. People have other albums they pick, whatever. That's fine. Um,
1: it's a good record. But but, but, it, but
3: it it, it kind of, in 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 the same way that Spinal Tap sort of mocked me to my core,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: pleased to meet me sort of, sort of did that same thing in a, in a different way, and I I it was just over, and I I immediately stopped writing songs with guitar solos. Um, so the paradox disbanded, and then I had a band called John Eller and the DTS, mm-hmm. and we did a couple albums. We had uh, Tommy was in that with me, and then we had uh, Dan Bergstrom played bass on the first album. We had Dave Boquist on the second album. Yep. Who uh, in slumming it moved on to Sunvolt?
1: Well, I, I wouldn't <laughs> call it slumming it. Here is the thing: I mean, you have to give yourself credit, okay? Wh- no, I meant I meant moving on to slu-
2: Sunvolt. He was slumming. There he was yeah, slumming. It. It. Exactly. What, what, right. what were Finally. the years there? What were the years that we're talking about?
3: So, the first John Allen the DTS album came out in early 1990. So, 30 years ago, 31 years ago, hmm. and then we put out another one. Um. And then Chris and I were both on Dave Bilgen's label, Crackpot. So I, there was a John Eller and the DT's record, and uh, Picador's had a couple albums on the label. So Chris and I got to be buddies, and we started kind of Hanging out, and, and both of our bands kind of started falling apart at the same time.
1: Well, I I actually name-dropped Picadors uh, last time Adam Levy was on this particular yeah. program yeah. because Picadors don't really get a lot of attention. When people talk back to the halcyon days of Twin Cities music, uh, you don't really hear people talking about Picadors very often. They such a great band. They absolutely had both the Levy brothers in it, and right? Noah was like 12.
2: Yeah. <laughs> did, did, John, you... did John Eller and the DTs ever play the Uptown Bar?
3: Yes, quite a few that, times. That's where I saw you guys. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, we played yeah, there quite I lived, a few times.
2: I lived three blocks away from there on Fremont and Lake for a while in the in the 90s.
1: Do we all agree that the Euros skillet from the uptown was the single greatest breakfast that's ever been made the in Hangover,
2: The hangover breakfast there was fantastic. You had to get over the smell from the night before a little bit. It was like four pounds <laughs> of Euros <laughs> meat, man. It was so freaking good. I didn't
1: care what it smelled like in there. I would... I would push you out of the way to go get one of those My favorite
2: moment in the Uptown was actually a non-moment that uh, uh, Dave Perner was there with Winona Ryder, and nobody bothered them. And I thought, that's fantastic. Like how Minnesotans just go, oh, there they are. But we're not going to be assholes about it.
3: Right, Mm -hmm. right, right. I remember seeing the Jayhawks there, and Chris Robinson was sitting next to me in the booth. What? Yeah.
1: Like Black Crows, Chris Robinson. Black Crows, Robinson, Chris
3: Robinson. Yeah,
1: who that? They just re-released that debut album as well, and so we've been putting that on heavy rotation at the record store. That's
3: such a great record. It's a fucking
1: amazing
3: <laughs> record. Really, really great record. It's a
1: really good record. Anyway, we got off track there because the Uptown can be very distracting yes. for nostalgia <laughs> yeah. right. guys of, of our age. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> I love that place. I, can we talk about the Apple Store instead? No, oh. we may not. <laughs> Although I do enjoy my laptop that I have right here, but I did not get it there. Um In fact, Tony Oliveri was just a guest on a recent show, and he drummed for the Cows frequently. I think Mm -hmm. I saw Cows in the Uptown more than any other band I ever saw there. Those were terrifying nights. Those were shows where I was not certain that I was going to be leaving with all of my blood still inside of my body. (laughs) I got scared <laughs> of some of those shows, which is how rock and roll should occasionally be. But anyway, yes. back to the point at hand, you were on the same label as Picadors, and that's where Chris Lynch comes in. That's where Chris Lynch comes and in. And the Chris pic- obviously
3: hit it off. Picadors were falling apart. The DTs were falling apart. Dave was off getting acquainted with uh, Jay Farrar, is mm-hmm. that what I mean to say? That yeah? is, yep. And uh, Chris, at the time, I don't think it's any big secret, anybody that knew him back then, he had a little bit of... Uh, drinking issues, so he went through some treatment stuff. We've all been there. And he and I got together and started writing songs, and then we put a uh, record out on Eastside Digital, which was kind of a RICO offshoot of the day, I think a good way to say it. So he and I have been working together for many years, different things, uh, and now we have The Shiny Lights, which has been around for... About 45 years by, by now already.
1: <laughs> That's not true, but it has been a while. It's,
3: it's been 10 years. and we So we've got a new song
1: or a new new EP that we just came
3: out with. How, how
1: recently? Is um, this like a COVID creation? Yeah.
3: Well, no. Some of it's some, some older stuff we've been okay. sitting on, but we finally got We put it out on Bandcamp late, late last year, okay. but we just pressed them up on CDs and they're just in the stores now as of the last couple of weeks.
1: Tell me about this song.
3: So this is a Chris Lynch penned song called Saturday Sun. And he's got me singing it because he wanted kind of a just the style that I bring. And you'll—you'll—it's funny you'll hear kind of a ripping guitar solo that he coaxed me into doing. He's not. Again, I, I've kind of ditched that stuff from the Paradox days, but so the only people I so play say? Well, so for do a shred guitar solo, it's got to be a Chris song. He's the one that always play like play like Brian May or you know. <laughs> like, okay, okay. So So we get to hear you sing
1: and shred on this particular track. Sing and shred on,
3: on a Chris Lynch song. It's very quirky. It's very Chris Lynch. It's very shiny lights.
1: Some Minnesota music there from the shiny lights. Is it just shiny lights or is it the shiny lights?
3: Well, here's the thing. We kinda joked that we just leave it up for interpretation and you call That's it invite either,
1: that's inviting hostility.
3: It well what it's inviting is getting fucked up on Spotify. So we've got the shiny lights for our first two EPs. Right. And it's separate now from the new one. So if you look it up on, on Spotify, it's Shiny Lights for the new record and the shiny lights for
1: hoist by your own petard is what happened there. We deserved it. We deserved
3: it. So trying to get that sorted out. And and on on YouTube, they've done a channel of, I think it's just various artists. And then it's the the name of the EP, which is Mayday.
1: For a guy who's been literally supporting yourself as a musician for, give me a rough estimate. You don't have to date yourself. But I mean, like.
3: I mean, at least 20 years. I mean, I, I mean. I lived with my folks to a ripe old age, yeah. and, they, and they, in fact, they tried to talk me out of moving out because they knew I'd probably, my dad in particular, knew I'd flounder and probably not be so <laughs> You're not on. ready for this,
1: son. You're <laughs> yeah. not ready.
3: Dad, like, Dad, I don't want to live at home until but I'm 40.
1: In any event, this has been your primary yes. source of income, your primary diversion, your primary creative outlet. That's the reason I'm here. It precisely. And- this last year had said, in no uncertain terms, screw you, you're not playing out anymore. I mean, yeah. and, and for people who are like, well, that's okay, I never went to see the shiny lights anyway. I, I guarantee you, how many, do you think anyone has seen you do anything more than your residency as the guy at Nye's? I mean, because you were there every single week, right? Right. I mean, and a, a lot of people came through the door. For people who don't know, tell me what you did at Nye's.
3: Well, so Nyes had a piano bar and, uh-huh. and the in the old Nyes we're talking before they
1: tore With those it down. gorgeous black floors and yeah, the Naga Hide benches. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So I think I think in those days it was Tuesdays and, and I would play piano bar for like four plus hours. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's 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 a lot.
1: Sing us a song. You're a piano right. man. Yeah,
3: no. I would I would say I would people would be surprised when I'd say I really don't. I hate that song. I'm like, yeah. You're kidding! I'm like no, I hate that song. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to yeah. do it.
1: Pick something else. But people would sing along. I mean, well, and the, the the artist who preceded you, who was there for decades as well, Lou. Lou right? She was there for
3: 40 years. Yeah. Played all five nights.
1: What, you're kidding five nights she a week she played
3: five nights a week uh-huh. I, I would do one night a week and i was wiped out the next day i mean, uh-huh. I, mean I i think i brought up probably a slightly different energy than she right. did but but nonetheless i can't imagine
1: i mean i remember that barely i was there at the very end of her tenure but i remember sitting around the bar and throwing a few bucks into lou's giant fishbowl and singing along yeah. drunkenly to some song so as a you know i we'll, we'll talk about the perils of covid blah 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 i'm more excited to hear about your piano playing days um when you're sitting down there now, it's fun. You're getting to play. You're getting not necessarily that big kind of crowd feedback, but like you're getting immediate feedback from people that are sitting right in your grill. And i imagine there were times that was both wonderful and also times it was truly terrible.
3: You know, it it trained me for a skill set I didn't think I had, which is being kind of a people person. Mm. Um, because when you're sitting at a piano bar, people come up just like we're sitting here together right now and they're right in your face and yep. they, they want you to either sing or they want to sing. And it's it's like being a waiter stuck at a table, having to just (laughs) keep talking to your Uh customers. So, and that was never my game before. Um, Terry Walsh actually is the guy that talked me into taking the gig. He (laughs) he was doing he had uh, the Saint Dominic preview or Saint Dominic's. What am I saying? Trio. Trio. Yep. Trio. He fucked with me there. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That was the intent. Uh, He had caught word that they were needing a piano player. He said, "You should do it." And I said, "What?" I don't I don't know those jazzy I'm not that I'm not that guy and he said you're that guy trust me trust me and uh so
1: Terry Walsh is very convincing by the way that guy's got a lot of charm
3: (laughs) he sold me on it I talked to the manager and I was up front I said you know if you're looking for like a loungy jazz guy I'm not your guy and she said do you know hey Jude and I said I I I, I do know hey Jude and she goes you'll be fine (laughs)
1: And was that right? I mean, did you did you find yourself in awkward situations where someone wants a song? You're like, I don't know how to play that song.
3: I I I I got to a point where it was very easy. It was very simple for me. If it was a song I kind of knew but just didn't want to do, I'd say, yeah, I don't know that one. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but what I found interesting was, what would you guess would be, like, one of the most requested songs for people to sing? Not Sweet
1: Caroline, please.
3: Ah, fuck. No. Uh
1: No. I, I, I'm I thinking something like ABBA or
3: Hallelujah
1: by Leonard oh, Cohen oh well yeah. it's, I mean it's a powerful one
3: I'd have that sometimes two three times two three times
2: a night really yeah but how about the people who either can't sing or they can't
3: find the key oh yeah there's a lot of that
1: <laughs> Well, that's even so... when the piano's going, so like my wife is uh, a music instructor, and she's a choir teacher for middle school students, and not all of them were born for that vocation, right? Correct. Uh, but you've got the piano, and if you're playing on that loud enough, it's pretty hard for people to miss the note, unless, of course, they're really challenged, and it's just not their thing. It's painful <laughs> to listen to if somebody,
2: I'll just say this because they're not listening, but my cousin's wife <laughs> has a beautiful voice, if you don't mind somebody that's always sharp. She's always a bit sharp. What's, what's her name? I'm not, I'm not going there. But here's the funny thing: is that it, it, she's always
3: sharp. I think she may have been in my piano bar.
2: Oh my lord! Well, <laughs> no.
1: if not her, someone who sang just like her. Yes. W-
3: worse, worse than than pitch problems are people that seem to have no apparent sense of rhythm.
1: Oh mm. yeah, I suppose yeah. So, so you're like
3: I, so I'm playing. So I learned to just kind of you got to just kind of follow and skip a beat here and there because right. they're lost. But it it was a lot of fun. Like I said, I learned a new skill set with it. And uh, I picked up again when they had the new rebuilt uh, knives, which feels more like a... Hotel yeah, bar, have it does. you been? It
1: does. I, I haven't, but I mean, that's basically what they're doing to all these places. They're tearing them to the ground, build a giant twenty-story condo on top of it, and put a smaller version of whatever was in there before underneath it. That's basically what it is, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. And, I mean, exactly. but it, and and it, it you doesn't it have not... the charm of the old place. Does no, it?
3: Not? It, it couldn't. But they, they've they've put up some. I mean, the decor is, is a nod to it, but okay. you would you would never confuse being in the real place to it.
1: I, so no, I actually I have to admit I haven't. Um, I you know the the whole going out thing. I kind of I luckily I was well prepared when covid came around i kind of stopped going out i was doing most of my hanging out during the day a little day drinking, and then tucked in safely at home by the time the evening rolled around so i never i've never been in the new night
3: okay well someday I, and i i it was of course closed down for quite a while they're back open i'm i'm not there i'm not sure if i will be at any point i'm, I'm not sure how how it will play out i understand that they have big plexiglass walls around the piano oh, bar really? i wish
2: oh go ahead I'm no, i was gonna
3: say which it makes sense but it kind of sounds like a buzzkill a little bit it seems like the, the the vibe that a piano bar needs to and should be seems like i don't know if we're in the right place in time for that to yeah. happen anymore
1: i don't know that we are either i yeah. was
2: in there with my uh friend tim mahoney the local sure. musician and I, he didn't know the song that i put in and i put in a song that was one of my father's favorite songs of all time and he but he didn't know so finally it's my turn and i get up there to sing my song and <laughs> Halfway down the bar is Tim Mahoney yelling, no, no, I fucking hate this song. Really? What was the song? It was House of the Rising Sun. Okay. He's like, God, I fucking hate this song. How could you hate that song? I, that's what I said. I'm like, what are, are you talking about? He said, this is an ode to my father. Like, what are you talking about?
1: And he's screaming at you, Oh, he's just
2: yelling. Other people are like, does this? Does he know this guy? Like, he's Good just old... like, please,
1: Good don't. old Tim Mahoney. Good <laughs> there, old there Tim There are plenty Mahoney. of
3: hateable songs out there, but yes. that's, Oh, yeah. one of them. No.
1: No, that's a sweet one. I enjoy that song yeah. quite a bit. Now, again, if I had to hear it three times a night, I might get a little yes. burnt out on right, it. Right, that right. Hallelujah is the most popular. Really, that does, that is a mind bender. Well, I want to talk with you about what the immediate future looks like as things are slowly starting to reopen as people are starting to think is there live music again what your life's been like for the last year of not doing any effing live music but before we do that it's time for another song and you've chosen a band that I love in unironic fashion and I feel like I have to preface it like that because I think there are a lot of people that if you say something like I love the monkeys they're like good one cornball do you also you love the cow sills and the answer is yes I fucking love the cow sills too Um, but I like the monkeys a lot and I want to know why you chose the monkeys. Monkeys.
3: They're my first band. You, I mean, have, you have a Cold Gem shirt a, on Col- right now, yes.
1: and I know that record label. I mean, that's that that's who put out Headquarters. You know, yeah. I mean, that's who
3: put out all the monkeys records. They've they've always remained in my my favorite. You know, there's things you grow up with and you listen to, and mm-hmm. you don't listen to. But I always come back to the monkeys. And what I love about this particular song is that it's not one of their more popular ones. So unless you're a monkeys head, you wouldn't know the song as we go along. But on the track. Playing guitar, for the listeners out there, is Neil Young and Ry Cooter. Wow. So chew on that.
0: secrets and let down your hair and sit with me here by the fire.
1: All right, I'm going to be honest. I don't know that I've ever heard that song before. And if I have, mm. it didn't it didn't register with me. Wow. Um, John Eller picked a great song by the Monkees right there. Uh, as we go along, I'm going to let you reveal the fun fact. But you already blew my mind by telling me that both Neil Young and Ry Cooter are featured on guitar on that song. That's a mind bender. You can't man. top that.
3: You really cannot no. top
1: that. <laughs> Until you find out who wrote the song. Carol
3: King. What? Man. But Carol wrote a quite a few Monkey songs. She wrote Pleasant Valley Sunday... Um, right so but does she, she do a version of it there's like there's the demo version out there and my and she she also wrote porpoise song if you happen to know that one well oh. that's
1: probably the most famous song off of head right yes for sure and for people who don't go beyond the hits head was their stab at kind of a groovy psychedelic mm-hmm. movie all magical mystery tour. i don't know what to compare head to but i mean it's got all this wattage and power behind it they were sort of the zenith of their influence which is why you get neil young on your record and and why you get jack nicholson making appearances in your movie well if
3: you look at the very first buffalo springfield album it on the back on the bottom it says for mickey davy peter and michael
1: what yeah really really that's crazy. It's not crazy. I well, mean, it it's not crazy. crazy, but I mean, it's it's. I would not have guessed that it's in the, a million years. It's a years.
3: crazy fact. They were all buddies in California.
1: Look at that. Yeah. Just hanging out, making music, being rich, smoking weed.
3: Being high as kites. Yeah. That
1: sounds awesome. <laughs> Speaking of high as a kite, Sean Bernard is not only my friend what? and my accomplice in this particular endeavor. He's roasted right now. He's been hitting the bubbler all man. Just kidding. He's a realtor for Edina Realty, fiftieth in France location, and um it's go time, baby. This is the time to start making it happen. Isn't it? What are you, my sales manager? I'm your hype man. I'm like your Flavor flave. Now it's time you for you to corner. go check D, all right? I need you to do my... I'm, I'm your Flavor flave. Yeah, Sean! And now it's time for you to drop the dope science on everybody out there who's thinking about buying or selling a home.
2: The dope science is this. So if you're selling, I will help uh, do a ton of research and help you kind of figure out like, what do I need to fix up? What do I need to do? Uh, and in some cases, I'm going to say, you don't need to do much. It's a great market. In others, I'm going to say, okay, here's some things you have to take care of. We can do that. Even if it's a year from now, I've got a few listings that are not going to happen until 2022, but we're working on stuff right now. On the buy side, uh, I've got a guy right now. It's like, here's my budget. I'm like, okay, there's not a lot in that range. So if you want to to buy, we got to go in and make this happen and make a quick decision. And so I can help you with that and help you make a smart choice. Uh, The other thing I'm doing this year is a portion of every sale on the buy or sell side is going to a local musician to help support them. So, uh, if you yourself don't have a musician that you know of that's local that would like some money, I do. So, uh, on the buy or sell side, we will, we will uh, donate a portion of the sale to them at no additional charge to you. Just give me a call at 612 859 2594. That number is textable.
1: And if you don't know, now you know.
2: I said, now you know. Exactly. Said, now you know.
1: Um, John. Uh, sorry that we had to do that to you, John no, Ellery is our commercial. guest oh, right
3: now. Very enjoyable, actually. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's Really well executed, nice team team work here. It's great. We rehearsed for like uh, uh, no no minutes, minutes whatsoever. <laughs> exactly. So, John, you have spent so much time working with so many different people. Music has been who you are through your adult life. It has been your expression. It has been your identity. It's been your income. Now, this last year, f you, the COVID shut down the whole world, right? And granted, people lost their lives. So maybe there are greater tragedies. But part of who you are and how you do what you do is by getting out there and bringing music to people. And that's essentially been completely shut down. What's your last year been like?
3: Yeah, um, just at home getting by. I, I definitely, as you said, people lost their lives. But when you, when you personalize it in your own experience, it is just dark. I mean, well, you I still
1: have to make a living and you still have, I mean, you're used to creatively expressing yourself on the regular and that goes away. That's a thing. That's real.
3: Yeah, uh, it was difficult. And I actually kind of, I did a couple sort of live piano bar things on, on Facebook streaming kind of late spring. We did three or four of them, and it was actually very good. People were real nice on Venmo. Mm-hmm. People seemed to enjoy it, people chatting away while I'm just singing. But it wasn't piano bar because I have to sing all of the songs. Um, And I just kind of hit this brick wall where I thought, what, what, what am I, do? nah, I shouldn't, I don't want to do this, I, I can't do this, and I kind of got in my head and I stopped, stopped playing, I, it had been months and months where I didn't sit at the piano, I didn't pick up the guitar, mm. nothing, um, and then, um, and I'm just kind of coming around a little bit now, we, I've got a gig t- uh, tomorrow actually with Martin Zeller, we're doing his, his Neil, Neil, Neil Diamond yeah. thing at the J-
1: jx center in stillwater yeah let's not breeze over that for people who don't know that he does a regular neil diamond thing it's actually one of the most amazing live yeah. shows you yeah. can catch martin zeller's really great at it what what and when and where are you doing it tomorrow
3: tomorrow and saturday both two, two nights at jx center in stillwater i don't know if there's tickets available right i'm kind of out of the loop with that but but are you
1: talking about this is like a live event that people can go to
3: we're going yeah I, I, wow. it's limited seating and imagine that but yeah so this will be the first the last gig i did was a. Uh, Actually, it was with Martin as well. We played outside of Crooners late last mm-hmm. summer, mm-hmm. and that had been the first gig since March, I believe.
1: Have you Which gotten poked yet?
3: I have. Yeah, I had first shot a week ago this Monday, so about 10 days, and I'm scheduled for the tw- uh, the 12th for my second.
1: Is that giving you any hope about the hopefully not-too-distant future of people getting back out and more of this happening?
3: Uh yeah, I mean, I, I think we're hopeful. We're we're booking gigs. I've, I've in a Led Zeppelin tribute called Zeppo. Yeah, you are, mm-hmm. and we've got, <laughs> and we've got a few gigs coming up a f- f- little, little later in the spring. As a matter of fact, kind of a uh, crazy story. The last show that I did was March sixth of last year. It was a Zeppo gig, and we had to stop in mid-show because I started getting these hyperventilating, these sort of head rush. Mm. We were doing Black Dog, and the band stops, and you sing the line. And it was like fourth line in and I had to, I just stepped up to the mic and said, I, I'm i sorry, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to collapse here. I got to stop. And the paramedics came in, wow. the whole thing. This was in St. Cloud. And I think uh, there's some thought that I was recovering from COVID because I'd been really, really sick really? Like a, couple, a couple of weeks prior to that. And um, then I hear, you start hearing all this stuff later about people with breathing issues and it's like, well, yeah, that's what it felt like to me. I don't know. But, um, so you might
1: have had it before everyone knew that there was a thing.
3: Yeah. Right. I, wow. I think, well, I think I got it from Adam Levy. We had our Beatles show, and he'd been over in Spain and where? I don't even. I'm conju- This is a major it's conjecture. I fault. love
1: it, though. Any kind of drama <laughs> or made-up conjecture you want to bring by, we double as TMZ Twin Cities right here. So, I mean, if you want to you come in here and drop some dimes or spread a little dirt around, you feel free anytime you yeah, like, John. Yeah, yeah.
3: So anyway, that was the last, the last show that I did until the, the couple of Martin ones last fall. And now, again, picking up with Martin at uh, JX Center in Stillwater on Friday and Saturday.
1: Fabulous. So moving forward, before we let you go and hear your final song here, as we've got to wrap things up shortly. For people, like when you talked about, you know, doing some of your virtual performances and people were very nice and very generous on Venmo and that sort of thing. One of the big things that Sean and I have focused on over the last year plus is whether it's a local business or a local artisan or a local musician, whoever it is. We try to find the most efficient and best way possible to, if people would like to support them, the way that puts the most money where the money's supposed to go. If people could buy your merch or buy your music, is there one good central place for people to go and get your stuff? Um,
3: there are limited copies available of, of the shiny light stuff Mhm. Is it on Bandcamp? Ah, the the recent one is on Bandcamp. The Good. earlier ones were not. I think CD baby. I There's not a lot of merch that I have okay. to, that I have <clears throat> available at this time. Thanks <clears throat> for the for the so, Shout I mean, just,
1: you just want people to come by with small paper bags full of money? That or? would be better. Yeah, <clears> be Okay. best. Yeah. Okay, cool. We'll make sure to get your address out when we promote yeah. the show. <laughs> 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 All right, well, moving forward, good luck to you. And I really hope people get back out. You know, Sean and I are more on the fan end of the spectrum, although Sean can make a little more music than I can. Yeah. We're hungry, too, man. I mean, we're 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 starving for that sort of symbiotic feedback loop that only seeing live music can provide to the individual. I know the musicians feel that way. Fans feel that way. But I'm also airing towards the side of caution. I'm going to be the guy in the back still wearing a mask for many yep. months to come. I'm not going into a sweat. And then this is nothing against the entry. I can love the 7th Street entry, but I'm not going into a packed sweaty show there for the foreseeable future, it's going to take some right. real time and some real proof. And we just, you know, we've already given up so much. Let's just keep giving it up for a little while longer. Do the social distancing, wear your goddamn mask, get vaccinated as soon as you can. We, there is, there is a way out of this, but we got to take it at the right speed. Amen. Yeah. All right. Excellent to see you, John. Thanks for Good coming to see you, in. Thank you, Brian. Thank I, you. And thank we'll you, have Sean. you back Sean, again sometime. Okay. Sean, I can't, I can't say the same for you. So just, um, <laughs> just kidding. I meant about, I meant the part about, C-
2: <laughs> don't forget who runs aboard that's Jackers. true that's true keep it in perspective all right john sean i'll see you
1: next time Sounds and john good. we'll talk to you soon before we let you walk out of here you chose sly and the family stone and there should be no reason why because we should always be listening to sly and the family stone but you exactly. chose this song in particular for what reason
3: well Sly goes back. He's right there with the monkeys, with just being my band forever. I just I love Sly more than I can express. Right, and a lot of his songs are um, about hope and love, mm-hmm. and so I just like the positivity of it. So for me, Stand just represents that. And what I, what I love about it on the outro, if I can, just, a little factoid.
1: I love factoids. A little
3: factoid. You'll hear at 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 the end of the song. There's kind of a, a an outro bit was recorded in a. Completely different session. He'd taken the, the original hmm. uh, a, a song to the DJs at, in San Francisco and playing them, and they said, yeah, it, it, it needs something at the end. So he, he went to New York studio, recorded a whole new thing, and just tacked it on the end. So it's two completely different recording wow. sessions. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sly and the Family Stone, Stand.
0: Set out to do. Stand. There's a cross for you to bear. Things to go through if you're going anywhere. Stand for the things you know are right. It's the truth that the truth makes you so alive. Stand for the things. and wrong stand there's a midget